And welcome back to the Word Encounter, episode 64. We concluded in uh, 1 Kings chapter 7 yesterday, so let's move on to chapter 8. Uh, in chapter 7, at the conclusion, Solomon has pretty much completed his construction projects, and the temple is now ready to receive the Ark of the Covenant. And so in chapter 8, verse 1, it says, At that time Solomon assembled the elders of Israel, all the tribal heads and the ancestral leaders of the Israelites before him at Jerusalem in order to bring the Ark of the Lord's Covenant from the city of David, that is Zion. In verse 3, all the elders of Israel came, and the priests picked up the Ark. The priests and Levites brought the Ark of the Lord, the tent of meeting, and the holy utensils that were in the tent. Drop down to verse 6. The priests brought the Ark of the Lord's Covenant to its place into the inner sanctuary of the temple, to the most holy place beneath the wings of the cherubim. And then drop down to verse 10. It says, when the, um, when the priest came out of the holy place, uh, the cloud filled the Lord's temple. And because of the cloud, the priests were not able to continue ministering for the glory of the Lord filled the temple. A lot of songs that are named after this verse. because So the priests came out. They couldn't stand in the presence of the glory cloud. And so they had to come out because they just couldn't stand there because the glory of the Lord filled the temple. The glory of the Lord is a holy, holy, holy thing. And, um, and unless you are sinless, you cannot stand in the presence of it. In, uh, in verse 14, uh, uh, King Solomon turned around and blessed the entire congregation of Israel while they were standing there. So the king turns around and he says a blessing to the people. And then he kneels and he starts to uh, say a prayer to the Lord. And it says in verse 22, Then Solomon stood before the altar of the Lord in front of the entire congregation of Israel, spread out his hands towards heaven, and he said, <clears throat> and I'm just going to read his prayer here. It's, um, it's a little lengthy, but the prayer is just awesome. It does no justice to skip over it. And so I'm just going to read it. Lord God of Israel, there is no God like you in heaven above or on earth below who keeps the gracious covenant with your servants who walk before you with all their heart. You have kept what you promised to your servant, my father David, who spoke directly to him, and you fulfilled your promise by your power as it is today. Therefore, Lord God of Israel, Keep what you promised to your servant, my father David. You will never fail to have a man to sit before me on the throne of Israel. If only your sons take care to walk before me, as you have walked before me. Now, Lord God of Israel, please confirm what you promised to your servant, my father David. But will God indeed live on earth? Even heaven, the highest heaven, cannot, cannot contain you, much less this temple I have built. Listen to your servant's prayer and his petition. Uh, uh, Lord my God, so that you may hear the cry and the prayer that your servant prays before you today, so that your eyes may watch over this temple night and day towards the place where you said, my name will be there. And so that you may hear the prayer that your servant prays towards this place. Hear the petition of your servant and, uh, and your people Israel, which they pray towards this place. May you hear in your dwelling place in heaven. May you hear and forgive. When a man sins, and so now Solomon's going to get a little prophetic here because he's going to state essentially what Israel is going to do. <clears throat> Verse 31, when a man sins against his neighbor and is forced to take an oath, and he comes to take an oath before your altar in this temple, may you hear in heaven and act. May you judge your servants condemning the wicked man by bringing what he has done on his own head and providing justice for the, for the righteous by rewarding him according to his righteousness. 
when your people Israel are defeated before an enemy because they have sinned against you and you return and they return to you and praise your name and they pray and plead with you for mercy in this temple. May you hear in heaven and forgive the sin of your people Israel. May you restore them to the land you gave your an- to the land you gave their ancestors. <clears throat> in verse 35. When the skies are shut down and there is no rain because they have sinned against you and they pray towards this place and pray your name and they turn from their sins because you are afflicting them. May you hear in heaven and forgive the sin of your servants and your people Israel so that you may teach them the good way they should walk in. May you send rain. uh, May you send rain on your land that you gave your people from an inheritance. When there is famine in the land, when there is pestilence, when there is blight or mildew, locust or grasshopper, when their enemy besieges them in the land of its in the land and its cities, when there is any plague or illness, every prayer or petition that any person or that all your people Israel may have, they each know their own affliction as they spread out their hands towards this temple. May your uh, may you hear in heaven your dwelling place, and may you forgive, act, and to give everyone according to their ways. Since they know each, since they know, since you know each heart, for you alone know every human heart, so that they may fear you all the days they live on the land uh, you gave our ancestors, even for the foreigner who is not of your people Israel, but has come from a distant land because of your name, for they will hear of your great name, strong hand and outstretched arm, and will come and pray towards this temple. May you hear in heaven your your dwelling place. And do all and do and do according to all the foreigner asks. Then all the people of earth will know your name to fear you as your people Israel do to know that this t- temple I have built bears your name. In verse forty-four, when your people go out to fight against their enemies wherever you send them, and they pray to the Lord in the direction of the city you have chosen, and the temple I have built for your name, may you hear their prayer and petition in heaven and uphold their cause. When they sin against you, not if, when they sin against you, for there is no one who does not sin, and you are angry with them, and hand them over to the enemy, and their captor deports, and their captors deport them to the enemy's country, whether distant or nearby. And when they come to their senses in the land where they have, where they were deported, and repent and petition you in their captor's land, you have sinned and done wrong. You have been wicked, and when they return to you with all their heart and with all their soul in the land of their enemies, you took them captive, who took them captives, and when they pray to you in the direction of their land that you gave their ancestors, the city you have chosen, and the temple I have built for your name, may you hear in heaven your dwelling place, their prayer and petition, and uphold their cause. In verse 50, may you forgive your people who sinned against you in all your in all their rebellions against you. May you grant them compassion before their captors so that they may treat them compassionately. For they are your people and your inheritance. You brought them out of Egypt, out of the middle of an iron furnace. May your eyes be open to your servant's petition and to the petition of your people Israel. Listen to them whenever they call to you. For you, Lord God, have sent them, have set them apart as your inheritance from all the peoples of the earth, as you spoke through your servant Moses when you brought our ancestors out of Egypt. Wow! And so uh, uh, Solomon is Solomon is essentially making um, intercession 
for his people prior to them doing anything wrong because he knows that they're going to do wrong. And he's just saying, Lord, please, I know this is going to happen. And when it happens, just hear your people when they cry out your name and don't abandon them. Don't turn your back on them. In verse 54, it says, when Solomon finished praying uh, this entire prayer and petition to the Lord, he got up from kneeling before the altar of the Lord with his hands spread out towards heaven. And he stood and blessed the whole congregation of Israel with a loud voice. Blessed be the Lord. He has given rest to his people Israel according to all he has said. Not one of all the good promises he made through his servant Moses has failed. And so this was a part of a long celebration uh, and festival of dedication of the temple. In verse 65, it says, Solomon and all Israel with him, um, a great assembly from the entrance of Hamath to the, to the brook of Egypt, observed the festival at that time in the presence of the Lord our God, seven days and seven more days, 14 days. On the 15th day, he sent the people away. So for two weeks, they dedicated and celebrated uh, the finishing um, and construction of the temple and essentially put it into use. It was now active, if you will. And so in, in chapter 9, it says, when Solomon finished building the temple of the Lord, the royal palace, and all that Solomon desired to do, the Lord appeared to Solomon a second time, just as he had appeared to him at Gibeon. The Lord said to him, and so I'm just going to read what the Lord's response to the dedication of the temple was to Solomon. I have heard your prayers and petition you have made before me. I have consecrated this temple you have built to put my name there forever. <clears throat> My eyes and my heart will be there at all times. So obviously he's pleased with this, with this uh, uh, completion of this temple project. In verse 4, As for you, if you walk before me as your fa father David walked, with a heart of integrity and in what is right, doing everything I have commanded you, and if you keep my statutes and ordinances, I will establish your royal throne over Israel forever. As I promised your father, David, you will never fail to have a man on the throne of Israel. If you or your sons turn away from following me and do not keep my commands, my statutes that I have set before you, and if you go and serve other gods and bow and worship to them, I will cut off Israel from the land I gave them. I will, uh, and I will reject the temple I have sanctified for my name. Israel will become an object of scorn and ridicule among all the peoples. Through this temple, although this temple is now exalted, everyone who passes by will be appalled and will scoff. They will say, why did the Lord do this to this land and this temple? Then they will say, because they abandoned the Lord their God who brought, them, who brought their ancestors out of the land of Egypt. They held on to other gods and bowed in worship to them and served them. Because of this, the Lord brought all this ruin on them. And so we see that. The blessings and everything are, of course, as it's been consistent, are conditional. If you continue to follow in my ways, my ordinances, my precepts and everything, then you will be blessed. If you don't, then you will suffer the consequences. And so, you know, like Joshua said, choose before me this day, blessings or cursings, you know, death or life. And so we have that opportunity to choose what it is we're going to do in this life. 
And the Lord gives us free will. And one of the things that kind of irritates me is when people uh, come against uh, Christians or people who believe in Jesus because they say, well, I don't want to be forced to believe. You know, don't, you can't force me to believe what you believe and this, that, and the other. That's not the Lord's ways. The Lord has created man and given him free will choice. Anybody who represents Jesus or the kingdom of God or anything like that that's trying to force people into submission to the Lord is not doing things the way that the Lord wants them done. He wants his children to choose him. And so if somebody is trying to compel somebody to do something or force somebody to do, then they're actually working against God because that is not God's process. God's process is to present the truth, present a case, present a testimony, and then the recipient of that truth case testimony decides for themselves. And then they can go on and do whatever they want to do. And so that's the way this thing is set up. It's free will choice. It's not by force. It's not by being uh, compelled uh, by force or violence or anything like that. It's a free will option. But there are consequences for choices as there are consequences for choices in life. And so that is the way his system is set up. That is the way he set it up. And that is the way it is. And with that, we will continue on in chapter 10 tomorrow. Bye-bye.